0: Oh <laughs> This episode of Naked Men taught me a podcast exploring naturism and the power of getting your clothes off. I'm Gareth Johnson. On today's episode, we're joined by Matt Spike. Matt is a photographer and videographer whose work celebrates the world of kink and fetish. Matt, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Now, you come from a family of photographers. Was it kind of inevitable that you'd pick up a camera and, and become a photographer yourself?
1: no it wasn't um in actual fact um, if my parents had their way i'd probably be doing something like being a teacher right now um but i my both my grandmothers were photographers though so i kind of grew up around cameras um, they were always there and my maternal grandmother was a an old school photo retoucher she used to paint negatives with her own bare hands um and uh, I, I I was naturally drawn to the whole world of photography through them. Um, but as I say, you know, educationally, parents wanted me to do something that would earn more money. So I was steered away from that. But um, later on, I, I rebelled and um, picked up the camera and told them I was going to start the photography business. And I did. Um, and uh, hey, presto, um, I, I'm able to support myself using the camera. But um, it was certainly not in, in, inevitable at all.
0: And you were exploring the world of adult entertainment before you started specializing in sort of kink and fetish photography. Is that right? Uh,
1: yes. Well, I was an escort. Um, so I was, yeah, a male escort, a fetish escort as well. Um, and also at a time when not many youngsters were getting into kink. Um, these days, the, the kink scene is quite young. Um, it's quite old as well. Um, there's a much more diverse age range now, but like, you know, 20 years ago, um, it was more middle-aged um, and there was me, 22 years old with a whip. Um, you know, um, it was super fun. But yeah, I, would, I did escorting probably for about 15 years um, and actually used quite a lot of the money from escorting to to, to go towards setting up proper ph- photography practices. Uh, so yes, they merged definitely.
0: And what was it that had drawn you to sort of the, the kink and fetish side of things as you're saying it was you know not really what everyone was doing at that point but that was something that appealed to you specifically
1: yeah it did um i've got a friend um here in london who um has an expression um and and it's basically your if you've got if if you're into kink then your family you know what i mean so Uh it's it's i it's definitely something you're born with um and um yeah i'm i'm family so it it, it I, I i was never really interested in van- vanilla sex at all um i have done it um but um yeah i was always drawn more to kind of a sort of a cosplaying as tom of finland and uh, um incorporating bdsm practices and you know i was much more into that way more into that and is it the leather side of things that sort of BDSM
0: aesthetic is that the the kind of kink that that you're into?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely yeah. So leather fetish um the whole thing I just uh, absolutely love the feeling of wearing leather and uh uh, I love other guys in it, and the creaking and the sound. It's um, c- of course completely impractical for sex.
0: That is beside the point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is completely beside the point. <laughs> it's, it's worth every. It's worth all the young. All it's, it's worth all the discomfort that comes from it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, um, and I, I, I feel best when I'm, I'm wearing head to toe yeah
0: <laughs> and so how did it feel when you were able to bring together that sort of passion for kink and fetish with your photography sort of passion mm. you found a way to sort of bring all those two worlds together
1: yeah I, it was completely unexpected because um uh the i the, the plan was to use the money that i earned escorting to set up a corporate photography studio which is kind of radical really when you think about it but um i was um it was my ex-partner and uh, we were out one night in soho um drinking And we were, you don't, since the pandemic, you don't have these gay magazines. We do, but like probably you had them over in Australia as well, like gay mags everywhere. They're stacked up, they always were. And we were flicking through one one night, um, and uh, they had these massive escort sections at the back, and they're all these kind of like toned, muscled. Uh, Mediterranean looking escorts. And um, my partner at the time said, well, you know, why don't you contact these escorts and uh, offer to do them free sessions? Um, they'll want them because, you know, all kind of sex workers need pics constantly. Um, and um, why don't you contact them? And then you can sort of maybe start to get another strand in addition to corporate stuff. You could maybe start to do sort of male aesthetic work. It still didn't figure that I could shoot fetish, um, although I had friends at the time that were shooting fetish not necessarily the sort of gay fetish but um one friend in particular um was uh kind of mixing escorting with photographing dominatrixes and yeah so I I I basically did what my partner said and I I contacted some escorts and they they came forward and we I, I quickly found that I really enjoyed photographing um male erotica um and i guess from there on it was just the the next logical step was to then start contacting people in the fetish scene and you've got to understand that at this point we're talking if i could put a year on it we'd be talking 2005 so quite some time ago pre-smartphone certainly and definitely before apps like Rentmen um came along um so people were still printing their adverts escorts were still printing their adverts in magazines but you're right, it was a different
0: landscape completely, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Images were really key.
1: They were key, and they were worth a lot more than they are now. I mean, uh, I, I I still have a very active Etsy store selling uh, printed work, and people still buy it. But there's no doubt the smartphone has changed the game quite a lot. I mean, you can just prop one up in the corner, get a ring light, and then with the, the settings you get on an iPhone these days, you, you can create pretty good pictures yourself
0: but it's interesting though because you're right well anyone can take a photo to get the energy of a you know the kind of fetish work the images that you create that's you know a different level in terms of skill how difficult is it to sort of capture that energy on camera
1: um i think it's all in the lighting to be honest with you because um a lot of the i mean for example. I don't particularly like fetish shots that are done on white backgrounds, for example, um, because I just feel like it's, it's kind of sterile. Um, I like mood. So I like darker spaces, uh, spaces that maybe have graffiti or kind of rundown backgrounds. So I've got some friends from New York and they, they, they tell me that in the seventies, the uh, lower Manhattan was just crazy. It was rundown. It was dangerous. It was, but all these, you know, if you went down by the piers, um, you would see all these leather men and it would be something like out of cruising a film. You know, it was, It was. I've got a friend who assures me it was very much like that. And also around 42nd Street in New York. And I think my work is coming back. Well, I, I think that kind of environment that just before Fetish became safe for work, which I think it kind of is now. Um, I mean, you know, you, you don't want to be like in the middle of a marketing meeting and crack out, you know, porn on your phone. We're not there yet, but um, it's it's not... It's it's, it's not very controversial to say that I'm into kink anymore. Um, But my work kind of goes, and my style and aesthetic, which is what we're talking about, goes back to that time when it was still a little bit uh, underground. And um, I feel it's sexiest that way.
0: Yeah, you want a sense of danger, a bit of edge to it, don't you? Yeah, yeah,
1: you want an edge. So I I, I kind of create darker spaces with uh, shady and moody lighting. And um, with latex and leather, I think that what appeals visually um, to people with these materials is the shine. So um, I, I always try and get that sort of reflection of the shine on the leather. If you read porn, you know, people's fantasies written down, they're often attracted to leather and latex because of the way it's shiny. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I try and use lighting to bring out the the shine and the excitement of the feeling of the material.
0: Yeah, it's a tactile response that you're looking for, is not it? You want people to yeah. feel that photo, feel what that would yeah. feel like, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I,
1: I, it's, it's immersive. I want people to sort of look at the photo and sort of, uh, yeah, and then for it to speak to them. So, my work really primarily speaks to people that have the same fetish that I do. So, yeah, uh, it's it's using the lighting and, and moods to create to, to create the work, to, to make it immersive and not sterile. Guys that book photo shoots
0: with you, they sort of commission you for a photo shoot, they'll bring along their fetish gear, get changed into whatever they want to wear, and you take photos of them. Is that how that works?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and they still do, uh, despite the smart, uh, smartphones. Uh, and... Um, where i work currently previously up until last year i was in the soho area of london which is kind of a bohemian quarter of the of of central london um and that's where i was based it was um where the uh kind of porn and um uh prostitution kind of thing wasn't it yeah 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 yeah. but the kind of the seedier end of nightlife was soho for so many years not so much anymore um and I was based there and I used to use alleyways because uh, what they've done with Soho is they've gentrified it but also you know kept it smelling of piss do you know what I mean (laughs) they 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 wouldn't have been allowed to make it into a really posh area uh what they've done is they've just got rid of all the criminals but they've kept the urine so (laughs) they still made like really great backdrops for my fetish work and I had a studio there so we were able to like do some work in the studio, then go out in in an alleyway and, you know, um, get some really atmospheric shots. And where I am now, um, I have access to, like, a big, huge basement, um, which, again, has these wonderful dark corners and, uh, uh, yeah, just the right atmosphere to create these sort of sexy shots.
0: And what's the motivation of the guys that are coming to you for these shoots? Is, Is this sort of only hardcore kingsters, hardcore fetish guys who have all the gear? What do they get out of it, sort of?
1: It varies from person to person. So in the last couple of years, I've had people, uh, well, I've had one person who had a fetish about being suffocated. And so he came along with a gigantic uh, plastic bag um, into which he crawled um, and then asked me to tie the to tie the top of it so it was airtight.
0: That's a lot of responsibility for the photographers. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah well,
1: it kind of so, well, you're absolutely correct. And it's kind of a sex act in a way. Um, yeah. Uh, but I I don't mind if it if it if it helps with the photo I'm happy to do the sex act it's fine <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do what it takes to get the shot but that's that's an extreme example so he was really into suffocation and he wanted to see it was like a clear see through plastic bag and he wanted to see he wanted the camera to capture him kind of being deprived of air inside a, the confines of a plastic bag so that's a really extreme hardcore example and then. Also last year, or maybe just the year before, whenever, but I, I photographed someone, guy from the States, lovely guy, um, who told me during the shoot that he doesn't like anything hardcore. In fact, the most hardcore he probably ever gets is like mutual masturbation. And I said, well, why, why the whole... Because he was decked out like Tom of Finland. Yeah. Um, and he was wearing probably like about $5,000 worth of gear.
0: Yeah, it's not cheap stuff.
1: It's not cheap at all. Um, and I said, well, why the gear? He said, because that is my kink, just wearing this. Ah. And being Spending seen. the money wearing the gear, that's yeah. the thing. Ah, oh, right. So the motivation varies. Uh so you've got your hardcore that want a, a picture of them actually suffering in some, you know, in some kind of pleasurable way. Um and then you've got other people that just actually just wearing the gear and being photographed is kinky to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, like with the plastic bag, if someone is getting off on just posing for me. I will tell them while I'm photographing. I'll say, "Yeah, cool, that's great. Yeah, your bulge looks awesome." And you know what I mean. And just because uh, that's
0: part of the fantasy. Yeah,
1: yeah I'll, I'll play along with that and go into uh, that. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 totally. I think the worst perspective you could approach fetish photography from would be a technical uh, process. I, 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 I think that would kill the the vibe. I think it has to be a little bit like sex itself. I suppose it is. You know, going back to what I said before, it's kind of like a sex act. You have to be into it. You know, if you if you if you had a hookup and you brought someone home and then they instantly wanted to talk about what's on TV that night, you know, you'd be looking at watch thinking like, when are you going to go home? And uh, y- you don't want a fetish shoot where you're trying to create sexy images, but you're talking about something totally ordinary. So, I guess, yeah,
0: no, because it would just feel a bit silly, wouldn't it? Because like it, it, yeah. objectively, it could look a bit silly. Here we are, dressed up, and if we're not
1: actually into it, what are we doing? No, quite, absolutely absolutely and i've noticed this going on on the shoots like when i was younger and i you know I, I did a bit of um uh work at a few photo shoots for magazines and stuff and um I, I i sort of got this guy's point it is kind of horny to get dressed up and then go on a photo set and get all these positions done you know manipulated by the photographer and all. Totally... It, is, it is it is kind of kinky i can understand how that's sexy
0: and does kink and fetish sort of enable us to access different facets of our personality or do you see it more as a a different persona completely that people put on
1: um okay it's both and neither and um, let me break that down for you so um as with the kind of difference between each person about the extremes of their fetish um the amount to which they change their persona or adopt a new one varies from person to person so you have people who are very naturally sadistic and dominant and they are sadistic and dominant in their sex lives as well so that you might call them a 24 7 dom um then there are people who um you'd meet them on the street and maybe they're like a carer for a, a senior citizen or something they do something very uh tactile and um, emotional for a living and then you'll find that they're an absolute uh sadist in the bedroom um <laughs> and you get the complete reverse as well um you look at somebody who uh runs like a ceo of a company with 600 employees or something um will you know um hire and fire people without any emotion whatsoever but then on the weekend will be like you know crawling around on his knees with a leash in his mouth you know drinking piss from a, <laughs> from a bowl or something it's it, it really does depend on the person um and as I say, it's not always about changing the persona. Some dominant people love to carry that into their uh, private lives as well.
0: I guess my final question is if someone was interested in exploring the world of kink and fetish, what advice or guidance would you give them?
1: This is when I sound really like my dad. When <laughs> I was young, <laughs> but when I was young, there was no like there was no smartphone. I think we had one website called Gaydar which we hooked up on. Uh, maybe there was another one recon hadn't quite happened yet um there was the occasional article that you could find in a gay magazine um and then there was if you could manage to get your hands on an old school fetish vhs tape then great but there was no help when i did it uh you'd literally just had to sort of go to thrift stores find the cheapest leather you could get Wait till you had enough to go to a leather bar because they usually have quite strict door policies and rightly so. Um, And then you had to just basically find the courage to to go in and I probably on about three or four uh, times, you know, took the train to the leather bar. Almost got it in the leather bar, but whipped out and got the train home again.
0: What, not even turned away by the door, bitch, for not having the right gear? No, just I just didn't even
1: actually approach the door? I, no, I got to the door and then thought, no, I, I'll need to do this another <laughs> time. I can't. <laughs> there, was, there was no support. Um, so anyone getting into kink now um, can find a wealth of support online thanks to social media. So um, if you go into Facebook groups um, uh, or you can find um, kink educators um on uh instagram and uh, and on x twitter you can find them there yeah so we it's, it's changed there are now educators so if you have a particular fetish there are guys that have a lot of experience who will talk about that with you there are support networks um facebook groups you can join like i say there's a lot of support out there um personally i prefer the more dangerous approach the way i did it you know the kind of like having to sort of figure this out myself i i, I kind of enjoyed that um but uh that was a necessary that was necessary for the time so um i, I guess it d- depends on the type of person you are if you if you want to feel a little bit of danger i'd figure it out I, I would suggest figuring it out myself but um it might be worthwhile to reach out for some support does it make sense no it does it's very diplomatic i think it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> I, because I, yeah i, I i I do feel like i was probably uh, you can use this if you want or i'm I'm just trying to explain you where i am i definitely feel like i was probably sexually abused a few times um during the first few years of being on the fetish scene because uh i didn't know what i was doing and getting into and i was kind of saying yes to a lot of stuff whereas i probably should have been maybe considering stuff so
0: yeah um and that naivety just because you weren't really sure where the boundaries were or what your own boundaries were maybe.
1: Yeah. I didn't know where my own boundaries were. I think is more the point. In fact, I didn't really know how to say no is what I'm trying to say. And I think that um, uh, I would probably maybe, uh, probably the single bit of advice I would give is is, um, yeah. Boundaries learn to say no, say no to stuff. Actually, as you enter the fetish scene, say, don't do what I did and say yes. Yes. And then find out you hate it or that you've been abused and then then you don't do it again um maybe uh go in and sort of just be very very cautious uh is probably the advice i give these days or just on on the other hand just jump in in both feet and see what happens i mean <laughs> <laughs> i think in some ways if you if, if if you solicit too much advice um you know going back to what we said about the photography and how You know there needs to be the right vibe to make this work you know the both parties need to be feeling sort of you know sexually turned on i guess if you've solicited too much advice you probably could kill the fetish with logic in your own head um so maybe a balance of the two would be better you know get a get an idea of what's going on and 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 some boundaries but also leave some room for for surprise because i think too much advice can probably um kill it as well it is fairly illogical if you think about it i mean wanting to be spanked as an adult um wanting to be a dog wanting to uh be a slave or you know in in, in a cage wearing masks and things like that i mean this is uh it's uh it's special behavior isn't it <laughs> let's put it that way
0: yeah but i think it's a really good point though if you try and figure out why do i enjoy that or why do i want to do that the actual answer takes the takes the
1: sex out of it
0: somehow it's like then it's not sexy i now i understand my motivations it's like yeah yeah
1: (laughs) i i i I think that's right and i think that there is probably a danger that things may come full circle and things become too caring to the point where it's then not dangerous anymore and so what's what's the fucking point after that you know (laughs) Um, like i said i don't think there's any logic to fetish sex it's illogical it's um who knows why it's there but it is um, and it doesn't need, require too much analysis. So I just think the only thing that I think that people need to be careful of is their own personal safety. Um, apart from that, I, I would jump. I would do the explorations without too much preparation. That's good
0: advice. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. You can find me on Twitter at GTV London. Today's guest has been Matt Spike. You can find him on Twitter at Matt XXX. Stay naked, stay sexy, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>